Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Well, welcome to the chapel online for our Easter service. Uh, we're so pumped that you're here with us today. Uh, whether you're a Christian and you've been for a long time, or maybe you only come and, and go to church or join us online for church, at Easter and Christmas, because you know what you're going to hear and you're okay with hearing that. Uh, or maybe uh, you're someone who's sort of considering this whole Christianity thing. You're like, hmm, been coming to church, hearing different things. You're not too sure, but you're here. You've joined us online for, for church today around Easter. Um, or maybe you're forced to be here. Maybe you're at your mum or dad's place and they've said, you ain't getting Easter lunch if you don't join us for online church. Either way, I want to thank you for coming to church, and I'm telling you, this Sunday is a perfect Sunday for you to be here, or whatever day that you're joining us online, it is perfect to hear this message. And what I want to challenge you to do today is just consider it. I want you to consider Christianity today. Sorry, I'm not going to do an arm up your back, I'm not going to stop talking until you become a Christian type thing at the end, or anything like that. I just ask that, would you consider I want to challenge you to consider Christianity as you hear this message this morning. In spite of the fact that maybe you know some, maybe you know some Christians and your experiences aren't great with them, or maybe you have unanswered prayers, you've taken something to God through prayer and it's been unanswered, or maybe you just have questions that you can't answer and you've gone to Christians, maybe they can't answer. In spite of any of that, in, in spite of the experiences you might have had at church, in spite of all of it, what I want you to do today is just to consider Christianity, if you would. And there is good news. The foundation of Christianity isn't Christians, which is great. It's not the behavior of Christians. It's not the behavior of the church. And it's not even answered prayers. It is what we celebrate when we come together for Easter. And Easter addresses something that there is no answer for. Easter uh, answers the question of how there is a church. Now, you've got to think about this. There, there is no answer for the church. There's millions of people uh, across our globe. A third of our entire globe will gather today in the name of Jesus. Jesus, a carpenter who went public for about three years, barely traveled 80 miles outside of his own hometown. He never wrote a book. He never recorded a message that we, that we get to stream live all over the internet. And yet a third of the globe will gather in his name. And the only answer for that happening is what we discuss at Easter, which is why it's the best Sunday. So what did happen? How do we have the church? How do we have a third of the globe calling a carpenter Lord? There was no Bible. Just after Jesus died in the start of the church and Christianity, there was no Bible. It wasn't for hundreds of years until the Bible was put together. And it was a movement out of a larger movement that wanted to stop it. Christianity comes out of Judaism, um, out of the Jewish religion. And the Jewish religion at the time was very much not for and um, pro-Christianity. And it was even birthed in a, in, a, in a country that was ruled by Rome, who also was uh, aiming to stamp out Christianity. And despite all of this, despite even Jesus being um, people, a king trying to kill him at even birth, despite all of that, we still have Christianity in the church that we have 
today. Well, one thing that we do understand about movements and we understand about religion in general is that it, it usually starts with disunity or an issue or division and, and there rises a charismatic leader, someone who can inspire or, or even a group of people who can inspire and they're charismatic and they present ideas, they present, present principles or thoughts and um, people can relate to it. Yeah, yeah, uh, this guy represents me. That's exactly how I feel. I want to get behind this guy. And they rally people. They rally people behind these ideas or these statements and, and change. And then they change the status quo with enough people rallied. Uh, they, they, they change a status quo and change is implemented, usually resisted by some. And then there's change. And then even after the change, the individual or group that, that have the ideas or principles, even when they're gone, their principles and movement live on. This is how religions are formed, how movements are formed and, and influence change throughout the history of humanity. Uh, we know globally there's people like Nelson Mandela, incredible people. He fought for freedom and justice and dignity for, for all. He ended apartheid and um, he, he had these ideas of moving forward and forgiveness and uh, coming together. And even still to this day, his principles and ideas live on locally. We have a little bit more controversial, Ned Kelly. Ned Kelly, who came with um, ideas and fought for the little guy. I mean, if we be honest, he was really fighting for himself and, and he was a thief stealing money. But he also went out of his way and would burn um, loan documents, home loan documents and stuff for the, for the little guy and people of low socioeconomic backgrounds. And his, um, his I guess, negative connotations towards authoritarianism still lives on today. We see with religions, the Islamic religion and um, Buddhism, uh, if that's even how you say it, I think. You have Buddha and Muhammad who were people who received uh, revelations supernaturally and they had these ideas or this way of living that they presented and rallied people to and, and the ideas and principles live on and people follow these ideas, these principles and their movements. There's a bit of a, a pattern, a formula. And it can be applied to all the movements and religions that we have out there today. But when you try and apply it to Christianity, nope, doesn't work. What we see and understand about movements does not apply to what Jesus did. Jesus' message was unlike anything that has inspired a movement. See, Jesus didn't come to advocate for revolution or even liberation. He didn't come to liberate the Jews from the Romans, or he didn't come to overthrow a government or a power. In fact, he said, give to Caesar what Caesar's. Uh, he, he claimed to be a king and a ruler, but even when other authorities would come to him and say, hey, you've claimed to be a king, where's your kingdom? He would say, no, 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 there's no threat uh, that you have by me. My kingdom's not even of this world. He didn't even come to remove the Jewish law that people were under um, he didn't come to just completely remove Jewish law. In fact, he raised the standard that said, don't commit adultery. He said he went even further, raised the standard to say, if you can um, commit adultery, even in your heart and in your thoughts, then you, you, you've sinned just the same. He raised the standard. He said, don't just love a, a neighbor or a friend, but even an enemy, you've got to love as you love yourself. So he didn't have this ideology to rally behind, to come and, and, and um, liberate or start a revolution or overthrow governments. He didn't come 
um, to achieve that. That's the first issue. And the issue is what he actually did come and what he was about. It was about himself. Jesus' message was all about him. Jesus never said, put your trust in this idea. He never said, put your trust in this theology or these laws or these actions. Jesus came and said, put your trust in me. He said, put your trust in him. In John 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through union with me. That's Jesus speaking. See, this makes no sense except through what we talk about at Easter. See, Jesus asked his disciples, who am I? Who do you think that I am? One of his disciples, Peter, replied and said, uh, you're Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of our living God. And Jesus replied not only that he was right, but also that, yes, you're right. God had told you that. God's told you that. When John the Baptist seen Jesus, he didn't say, Behold, here is the man who's come to tell us the way to live a perfect Christian life. He didn't say he's the guy who's come to tell us how we need to do things. He said, behold, he is the man who's come to take away the sins of the world. Who he was? Jesus. Jesus' message was Jesus. And now this is really important for, for all of us, no matter where we're at. He told the disciples when they were asking them to reveal God, he said, if anyone has seen me, they've seen the Father. He was referencing the Godhead, the God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one together being God. And never did he intend to leave his insights behind or his principles to be passed down to the next generation as an answer to how to live life, but he came as the answer for humanity. And the issue that that does not make sense is that his message was about who he was. This doesn't make sense in, the, in our framework of a movement or what we see historically because it was about who he was. And then this leads us to his death. His message is who he is. And then we have Jesus's death. The issue with his message being put your trust in me, that he is the way, that he is the life. We've got to put our trust in him is that when he is to be put to death on a cross, even the disciples, they freak out. One of the disciples pulls a sword and chops a guy's ear off to try and stop it from happening. The disciples were rocked that Jesus was to be put to death. The people who made the church what it is today were absolutely rocked by this idea. And they themselves wrote majority of the Bible and the way they wrote it, they framed themselves to be rocked by this event. They wrote that they were running away. They were denying even being a follower, betraying Jesus. See, Jesus called himself life. He called himself Messiah, son of God. And then he was be put, to be put to death on a cross. How does that make sense? How does life die? How does the Messiah die? How does God die? It was a man with no ideology or principles to follow and live by, and now he's gone. And yet, we still have the church that we have today. Well, here's why. We're going to read John chapter 20 in the message version. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, 
Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. So Jesus has uh, died on the cross and been put in a, in a tomb. And so this is that tomb. Saw the, the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, gasping for breath. They took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Stooping to look in, he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb, observed the linen cloths lying there and the kerchief used to cover his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, the one who had gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence and believed. No one yet knew from the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. So the disciples went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. As she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there dressed in white, one at the head and the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking that he was a gardener, said, sir, if you took him, Tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary. Turning to him, she said in Hebrew, in Hebrew, Rabbani, which I kept thinking was Rabboni. Sounds like an Italian pasta. Said Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to um, telling the news to the disciples. I saw the master and she told them everything he said to her. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews had locked all the doors in the house. Jesus entered, stood among them and said, peace to you. And then he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples seeing the master with their own eyes were awestruck. Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. Then he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we saw the master. But he said, unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time Thomas was with him. Jesus came through the locked door, stood among them and said, peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, believe. Thomas said, my master, my God. Jesus said, so you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs than are written down in this book. These are written down so you'll believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and in the act of believing, we have real and eternal life in the way he personally revealed it. Now these men, these disciples that see Jesus risen 
from death to life now go and lead to what we have today and have the church. They went from rocked to revived and re-engaged with the message of Jesus, which was him. So they went to the streets preaching. Preaching what? Jesus' parables or his thoughts? No. They went and preached Jesus. They said, one, Jesus was put to death. Two, God raised him from the dead. So now three, repent from your sins, turn from your own way. And four, put your trust in Jesus. When Jews were coming by the hundredth, believing what the disciples had seen, because many others had seen it as well, and news was spreading that Jesus was raised from the dead. So the Jews, that were the ones who put him to death. When even those guys were coming to the disciples saying, how do we respond? How do we put our trust in Jesus? They said, repent, be baptized in the name of, the Je- in name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. So repent is, is just simply turning from your own way. Turn from putting your trust in you. Turn from pursuing your own desires for fulfillment. Turn from striving to become worthy of yourself. Turn from living your own way and just start living God's way. So this is why this is the best Sunday for anyone to say yes to being a Christian and consider Christianity. Because all we're doing is simply talking about what we're saying yes to. It's yes to Jesus. It's not to wear five keys to success. See, even uh, the disciples, it took the resurrection for even the disciples to be re-engaged. It wasn't his parable or his teachings that kept them uh, uh, followers of of Christ. It was when he resurrected. That's when even his disciples um, re-engaged. They re-engaged after to a resurrected Savior. They re-engaged to the message of Jesus, to Jesus, and put their hope and trust in him, the Messiah the way, the truth, the life, our Lord Jesus. So what now? Well, when Jesus predicts his own death, then predicts his resurrection and pulls all of that off, it means that what he's spoken is true. It means that we now have hope as Christians. We have hope of life, hope of resurrection and eternity, and hope of our sins being forgiven. No matter the rest, despite unanswered prayers, despite bad experiences with people, despite how Christianity may have been modeled in a wrong way to you growing up, despite it all, you should consider putting your trust in Jesus. Maybe again, or maybe for the first time. The Bible says that over 500 people saw Jesus uh, after he'd been raised to life again. And a lot of these people died because of what they believed they saw. Many people have died for what they believe in, but These people died for what they said they saw, and they took it to their graves. The disciples died believing and committing to what they saw, a resurrected Savior, Jesus, raised from the dead. And the Bible doesn't say that whoever uh, believes in Jesus' ideas or whomsoever shall believe in Jesus' parables or whoever believes that Jesus was good-looking. No, it says whoever, whoever believes in him. Whoever puts their trust in Jesus shall not perish, but be forgiven and receive eternal life. So that's what we want to give a a quick opportunity now for anyone here that wants to make that decision, to put their trust in Jesus. It's just simply saying I'm done pursuing my own desires or my own way. Stop pursuing what I think are the five keys to success and happiness and actually put our trust in in Jesus.
put our trust that he died on the cross and rose again three days later for the forgiveness of our sins so that now we have a way to be in union with God and gain access to eternity. We want to make that decision to follow Jesus, to stop striving in your own strength, but put your trust in Jesus for our life here on earth and put our hope in him for eternity. I'm going to just simply pray a prayer. And what I ask you to do is pray that prayer after me. I want you to pray it out loud. doesn't matter who's around you. If you're a Christian, pray it out loud. If there's people around you to help them not feel awkward, if they do want to pray this prayer out loud, but pray this prayer with me and pray it from your heart to God. But join me and just, if you want to make this decision, please join me now and pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. So I now can have a relationship with you and live my life as a Christian. I thank you that I am now a child of God. I have a new life in you and I thank you for it. I thank you that because of this prayer and because of your love, I'm forgiven and I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.